Well, those of you who have been following this broadcast over the last couple of, of days that we've been together know that we've been talking about the problems of prevention. It's one thing for a counselor to talk about remedies to difficulties that we have right now, and of course we must do that because we're sinners and we always fall into the wrong ways and need God's help as to how to extricate ourselves from those and we need to see what the Word of God has to say about them. But every counselor also knows that if he is able, he wants to spend time teaching children and teaching others how to avoid these problems because we don't need to fall into all of the traps and all the snares of the devil. There are ways around the stumbling blocks of life that the Word of God points out to us. And so we're very happy to talk about prevention. Well, we've talked so far about the fact that children can be uh, helped most by keeping them from falling into some of these difficulties that later on as adults become ways of life. For example, blame shifting we talked about and running away from life's problems instead of facing them up and admitting uh, where we have been wrong and uh, dealing with the hard things of life. Now another difficulty, which I think is probably the biggest problem, the biggest problem pattern that I deal with in marriages later on, one of the problems is failure to communicate. And this can be dealt with early in life before marriage ever gets destroyed or ruined in various ways by this communication breakdown. Children must be taught to communicate. They must be taught the principles of Ephesians 4.25, which I mentioned the other day and said we would talk more about it. Let me read that verse for you again. It says, Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you, with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Now that is a great passage, and I want you to get the impact of it because it has such a, a, a tremendous uh, uh, message to children and to parents as they deal with their children uh, along these lines of communication. I'm thinking this morning uh, mostly about the problem of your teenager and you. And perhaps you can pass on some of this to your teenager, or perhaps since uh, there may be some of them out of school at this time when you're listening, uh, we may even be talking to some teenagers who need to hear something about this matter of communication. It's really uh, they that I'd like to talk to mostly this morning. You notice that the reason given in verse 25 for truthful communication between parties who live in the same home is the matter of functioning together as members of the same body. He says, lay aside falsehood and speak truth each one of you with his neighbor, that is, with the person who lives nearby you, for we are members of one another. Any organization, a church, a club, and certainly a home, which is the most intimate of all organizations where people have to eat and sleep and live together under one roof, any organization in which people are brought together, closely together, requires truthful communication for the proper functioning of that organization. All the members or all the parts of the body or organization have to have the same information, have to have the same data, the same uh, information on which to work so that they can coordinate their efforts, so that they can work and function together. 
For instance, I happen to have a beard, and I don't know why anybody would want to ever shave a beard off, but suppose uh, somebody for some foolish reason would want to shave his beard. And suppose at the moment when he had lathered his brush well and was about to apply that brush to his beard, at that very moment the neck turned in the opposite direction and the open mouth received the brush full of lather instead of the beard. Uh, you'd have a lack of coordination which would look stupid and foolish. And yet the parts of the body have to know the same data and the same information. They have to have the same uh, facts to work on so that they can coordinate. The hand can't reach around and pull out the chair just at the time when the knees bend to let the body sit down or you get some kind of a foolish, ridiculous situation existing. Now, of course, the Christian church often looks like that. It's supposed to be a body that functions well together, but because of the failure to communicate truthfully one with another, all those data that are necessary, often the church itself does such ludicrous things as this, and in the eyes of the world looks just as stupid. So do Christian homes often look this way. And what we need to do is prevent this by encouraging communication, sitting down and talking about the things that matter, talking about the things that really do count, talking about the data that are important to everybody who lives in that home in order to be able to function well together. Take, for example, the teenager who simply flits around in the shadows in the background of the house. There are an awful lot of teenagers whose faces hardly ever come into three dimension except at meal times. That's about the only time you see them. And uh, uh, the rest of the time, they sort of are in the background, in the woodwork of the house, or closed behind a door with a lot of music bellowing forth as loudly as possible. And you hardly ever see these kids day after day, week after week, except faces that appear at the table quickly and then disappear for the rest of the day. Well, they're not very three-dimensional to the rest of the people in the home. Maybe you're one of those kids who's like that. You say, ah, they don't understand me anyway, and if I did tell them anything about me, then they wouldn't, you know, they, they just wouldn't know, know what I'm talking Listen. You know one of the reasons why you're having problems with your parents, if you are? It's this very issue of communication. And it's your fault, teenager, if you're not communicating the data that they need to make good decisions about you. If they don't really know what's going on upstairs in your skull, if they don't really know what you're thinking about, if they don't have the faintest idea about what your values and ideas and goals and, and uh, the rest of it are, about where you stand before God or anything else, they're going to misevaluate you, and they're going to operate on the basis of that misevaluation. After all, remember that the only thing that parents have, if you don't give them information about who you are and what you're like and what you're thinking, then the only information that parents have is what they get poured in their ears over the radio or through newspapers or television or a thousand other sources about the terrible teenagers of our time, about all the crime and all the LSD and all the rest of it that goes on in society. And if you're not like that and you're complaining, well, my parents are always saying no. I say, uh, uh, can I go to such and such a person's house? And they immediately freeze and go, <gasps> You know, and, and won't respond to me. Uh, they immediately freeze up, and then they make some alternative suggestion. Well, why don't you, why don't you go over to, to the church tonight, to the young people's meeting or something, you see? Uh, they're always afraid to let me go anywhere, you see. The reason they are, perhaps, is because they just don't know you. They've created some kind of a false image of you that's grown out of what the newspapers and, and television have told them about teenagers. Listen, until they find out what you're really like, 
until you're really willing to communicate, until you're really willing to let your parents make decisions on the basis of truthful information and enough of it to make decent decisions, they will not function well with you and you'll hurt as a result. And so will they hurt. And so will the relationship hurt. And so will God be dishonored. Teenager, let me tell you right now, the greatest thing you can do for your parents and for you, as well as the right thing to do, because God requires it, is to do what Ephesians 4.25 says. Lay aside that falsehood. Not just lying, but the, the whole idea of living a lie. That is, without uh, letting people know exactly what is the truth that they need to know about you. And instead, speak the truth, all of it, that is necessary for your parents to know. And then, as members one of another in that home, you'll be able to function and live properly together. Don't be a shadow. Be the kind of three-dimensional person you really are. Face up to your sins and your wrongs. Also let your parents know the things that you really believe that are right, and you're going to have a different kind of home. Lord, we pray that you'll bless teenagers who are listening today and their parents to build a real communication together for Christ's sake. Amen.